to tell me to praise the Lord. I know what I was in. I know where I was at. I know what God pulled me out of. And I think you know where God pulled you out of. I think you knew where you were at. You knew the pain you were feeling. You knew the hurt and the sorrow that was in your heart. You knew the, the cry and the, the attempts you made over and over and over again to get your life right. And nothing ever happened until Jesus came into your life. Until Jesus touched your heart. Until Jesus reached down and changed your whole circumstance. And some of you, your whole families. So I, I know you don't need a cheerleader. Give the Lord a good praise offering. salvation. I thank God for what he's done within my life. And uh, you know, God has brought us a mighty long way. You know, me and my wife, you know, we've been together for, for a long time. We're, I think, 18, I was 18 years old. Me and my wife, almost 30 years with my wife and we've experienced so many different things and uh, one of the things that we're not proud of that we experienced was living a life for about 12 years of drug addiction heroin cocaine and doing it with three children and trying to drag our children with us to do you know go through all that madness and uh, you know and then for a time they you know they, they were they were staying with our family and and just kind of living that lifestyle and just trying over and over and over to get things right and never getting it right over and over. And then probably at the end, I was looking at some time in, in prison. I was looking at like a seven years. And uh, God got my attention. I just know that God knows how to get your attention. Got my attention. I said, uh, no, skip this. I don't want to live this kind of life. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn until somebody told my mother about Victory Outreach. And uh, I'm a product of the men's home. Amen. My wife also is a product of the women's home. We went in and uh, we gave our lives in 1994 to the Lord. And God, God has done a work in our lives. And, you know, there's a scripture in the word of God is John 10.10. It says the enemy comes to what? But I have come to give life and to give life more abundantly. I asked God for that life, that new life. I wanted that new life. I wanted that new heart. I wanted, I wanted that new life. I said, Lord, give me a new life. But the part I didn't expect was the second part of that verse, the abundant life. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that God had a personal, unique calling upon my life. That he had a detailed plan just for me, just for my wife and my children. I didn't know that part. I don't even know, to be honest, if I really wanted it because I wasn't asking for it. But I thank God that he had it for me. I thank God that he shared it with me. I thank God that we're right in the middle of God's will because there's nothing like being in the perfect will of God. And I want to thank God for that because God has really, really did a work within our lives. And, you know, I just want to take this time to thank 
our founders, Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, all our elders, and to thank my pastor, Pastor Herb Valero there in Salinas, Sister Margo, and uh, for, their, for their faithfulness and for them believing in me, believing in my family and giving us a chance to do something with their lives. Pastor Esteban, Sister Chella, thank you very much for this opportunity. I want to thank you for taking the time to invest in my son. I know I speak for my wife. Thank you very much. Thank you, Victory Average here, the heart of the bay, for embracing my son. And I know uh, he's grown a lot. I know that he's going to continue to grow. I know that he's been envisioned by his leader and, and the leadership. And I just want to say thank you for that at this time. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a good praise offering? Because God is so good. My wife somewhere around here, she wasn't feeling too good, but she says, you ain't leaving me back. I'm coming. I'm, you're not going to leave me home. So she's somewhere around here. But I also brought my son-in-law, amen, and uh, my daughter April was up here. She was the one that was uh, leading us in worship, her husband. I want, I want Nathaniel to come up and give a word of testimony, amen. And I'm really blessed because, you know, he's, they've made the decision through prayer and and fasting and seeking God, they're going to be coming with us to, to Minneapolis. And uh, when we went to Sydney, it was just me, my wife, and my three children. That was it. We went to Sydney, and, and, and that was it. But this time, God has given us the privilege to take a team with us. And uh, we're going to go over there, and we're going to do a work for God. But I want him to give a word of testimony this evening. Amen. Amen. God bless you. born and raised in Victory Outreach. Um, you know, my parents got, my dad got saved probably uh, two years after Pastor Ed Morales came to San Jose. So all I've known is Victory Outreach. All I've known is, is church and ministry. And you know what? Uh, even though uh, as much of a privilege as it is now that I count it an honor, you know, and I look back on my life and see how blessed I was and how God's hand was upon my life. You know, when I was a young man growing up in the church, I didn't always feel that way. I didn't always feel like I had the best life or that God's hand was on my life or God's favor was on my life. And actually, it was quite the opposite. And, you know, as a young man growing up in church, confused and feeling hopeless and feeling like, man, like I want to do something with my life. And I don't want to do the church thing. I don't want to do the God thing. God's call and God's plan for my life is not what I want. It's not what I desire. And, you know, so I found myself for years running from the call of God, running for the purpose of God. And you know what? And uh I found myself in a place where I thought I would never be. How many ever been there? I found myself in a place of, of, man, how did I get here? And how did this happen? And and why me? And I thought this was only the guys in the home, right? It was never me. Like, I never imagined myself being in the place that I was and hurting the way that I was. But you know what? It took me me having to get to my lowest point, even a church kid, even growing up, even a, a minister's kid. And, you know, even my parents, they pastored in Hawaii for a number of years in the early 80s. and But even then, even with all that, even with the love that I got from my parents, even the, the love and the support of the ministry and the church and, and people that I grew up with in church, you know, it wasn't enough for me. I, I and, and I rejected the call of God, the plan of God. But you know what? I found myself at my lowest point in life, and I look back today, and I thank God for all that he's done because 
I'm, 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 I'm in a place now where I know my purpose in life. I know my calling. I know my destiny. I know that Jesus has a plan for my life, that he has a purpose for my life. And not only that, but he has a purpose for my marriage and my wife and my baby, my baby girl. And I thank God because it's only by the grace of God. It's only because of the mercy of God that even when I ran for so many years and, and I turned my back on God's love and I turned my back on God's calling and, and the plan that he had for my life, he was there to say, you know what, here it is again because I love you that much. My purpose is so great in your life. The calling upon your life is so great that I'm going to give it to you once again because my call is irrevocable. And tonight, the call of God upon your life is irrevocable. No matter where you're at, if you're in the home, if, if it's your first day, if, it, if you've been here since the great pastor Steve was here, man, you know what? God's calling is irrevocable, and it's there. And I want to leave you with this tonight, that, that the bloodline that runs through this church is the bloodline that is great. So I want to encourage you tonight to settle for nothing less, church. Don't settle for anything less than greatness because that's the blood that runs through this church. That's the DNA that's in your blood tonight. It's greatness. So don't settle for anything less. Amen. But the perfect will and the perfect plan of God. I want to just say God bless you for my wife and for my, my baby girl. And I just want to say that, you know what? There's nothing better than serving God. Amen. God bless you tonight. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me this evening? Amen. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Go with me to the 13th chapter. The 13th chapter. Is anybody excited? For what God is doing in your life, praise the Lord. Say amen when you're there. And we're going to be looking at a story, and it's only found in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to go to verse number 10. Verse number 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she strained up and praised God. Ignorant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrite, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Verse 16, then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what had bound her. When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Let's pray this evening. Father, Father, I take this time, this moment, Lord, to thank you so much. I'm a very grateful man, Father. I'm very grateful, Father, for who you are and who you're becoming in my life, who you're becoming in my marriage and my 
my family, my children, Lord. And, Father, I'm very thankful, Lord, for what you're doing and what you're about to do this evening. Lord, I pray that every heart would be open, every ear would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, God. I pray that you would help me to convey your word to your people, Lord. And I pray once again, Lord, that every person would not leave the same way they came in. Lord, I give you all the honor and I give you all the glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church says, come on now. And the church says, amen. You go ahead and have your seats. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to be here. Amen. And uh, I'm excited for what God is doing in our ministry, Victory Outreach International. And uh, in a couple months, as you heard, uh, Pastor Esteban mentioned we will be going to the Twin Cities. And uh, we spent eight years in Sydney, Australia. Eight years, and we went out there and pioneered, and we went out there. And, uh, you know, I, I was just reminded when we got to uh, Australia, when we first got there, I went ahead of my, my family. I went about a week before they got there. And when, when, when I got there, you know, I had some things that I needed to take care of so that my family can, can come. I had to get a house ready. I had to get things ready. And I remember when they came, we went and we picked them up. And, you know, you, over there you drive on the other side of the, the road and you dr your steering wheel's on the other side of the car. So when we got there, we went with two vehicles. My wife, because at that time, the evangelist James Fernandez, was, which was Pastor James at that time, he was there, and he had to fly out to Brisbane. So my wife had to drive back. So that was an experience. Her, as soon as she got there, she had to drive back on the other side of the road with a steering wheel on the other side of the car. And when we got back, when we, when we got to the house, there was a men's home and a women's home. And there was only one man in the home, and there was only one woman in the home. And when we got there, the, the, the one of the sisters that was, actually, that was actually running the home, she, I, I don't know what got into her. I don't know what was going on in her life. She just had enough. She came. As soon as we pulled in, she came. She said, here's the keys. There's the sister. I am out of here. She dropped the keys, and she was gone. And we're taking, the key, we're taking my wife's luggage and my children's luggage out of the out of the van, and we're getting it. And when we stood there for a moment, and we looked at each other, and it was like she looked at me, I looked at her, and I said, well, you know what we got to do? She got her luggage. She put it right back into the van, and she went to the women's home. And I, she went with my daughter. I stayed with my boys, and we lived like that for about the first six months. Welcome to Australia. Or, or should I say welcome to full-time ministry. But in those six months, God started to move. God started to raise up men. God started to bring men to our home and bring women to the home. And in those six months, we just started working and working and working. And finally, she was able to come back and, uh, and be there with us together as a family. Amen. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed going to the Twin Cities with a team now. I'm going to have a director already. I'm going to have a worship team already. I'm going to have someone in charge of evangelism already. So it's pretty exciting, you know, now, now I can go and, you know, I learned a lot of lessons over there in Sydney, Australia. Now I can go to the Twin Cities and uh, I got a lot of ideas, a lot of things that I've learned, a lot of lessons, amen, in ministry. But I'm so excited to be able to go over there and do the work. And it's only because of Victory Outreach, amen, giving me the opportunity. Give the Lord a praise offering because that's what God does in the ministry of Victory Outreach. 
when we look here at verse number 10, in this story that, that we see that this is a healing of a woman that had been coming to the synagogue. Some scholars believe that she had been attending this synagogue, or if I can say coming to church for 18 years. She had been a regular I in church. She, she was there in attendance. She was, she was coming for 18 years. But the Bible says that she came for 18 long years, and she came with a certain condition where she couldn't straighten up. She, she was bent over. She was bent over. She couldn't look up. She couldn't, she couldn't straighten up at all. She had been like this for 18 years. Now, when you look at this story or you look at this account, you only find it in the Gospel of Luke. And the reason why I believe is because Luke, if you know anything about Luke's life, he was a physician. So because he was a physician, he saw things a little bit different. His lingo was probably a little bit different. His terminology, his, his ideas, his thinking were a little bit different. And the Bible says at the end of the Gospel of John that Jesus did a lot of different miracles. That there's not enough books to contain all the miracles Jesus did. So there was a lot of things that Jesus did, but there was something about this miracle that caught Luke's attention. There was something about this miracle that moved his heart to actually write it, to actually include it in what God had inspired him to write. So when you look at this, we see that he's a, a physician. We see that he's a doctor, and it's very interesting because when you look at this, I want you to go with me to verse number 12. Verse number 12, it's interesting the words that he uses to diagnose this woman's problem. He doesn't use the word that would mean illness, disease, or, or injury. The word that is used is infirmity, or in verse 11, he says she has been crippled by a spirit, and then in verse 12, Jesus uses the word infirmity. Now, infirmity in the Greek is asthenia, which doesn't mean sickness caused by disease. What it means, it means weakness. It means strengthless. It means feeble or feebleness, something without strength, and it means the feebleness of the mind. So when you look at this, it wasn't that she had a back condition, a spine condition, a neck condition, something that was heavy upon her back. When you look at the meaning, the, 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 the condition she, she was in started in her mind. The battlefield of the mind. He was able to diagnose this because he was a physician. He was able to look and say, I don't see really anything wrong with this woman's back. It's not arched. It's, I, don't, I, I, really don't, I, don't, I really don't see it. And God began to minister to say, you know what? Her condition is in the mind. When you look at verse number 16, Jesus goes on to say that Satan had kept her bound for 18 long years. That word infirmity also refers to an ailment that deprives someone of enjoying or accomplishing what they would like to do. So when you look at her condition, she had a condition that didn't allow her to move forward. It didn't uh, allow her to enjoy church. It didn't allow her to find joy in the house of God. But yet she kept coming. She kept coming for 18 long years. She couldn't look up and see that God has something great for her life. 
She couldn't go look up and see an abundant life for, for the next year. She couldn't look up and see the promises of God, the mission of God, the calling of God for her life. She couldn't look up and see how great God was, that God, that nothing was impossible for God. All she could do was look down, always with that half-empty mentality. The cup is half-empty. Looking down at everything, looking down at her problems, always saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't be this, I can't do this. It's always for somebody else. It was the spirit that had caused the weakness to take place. And it wasn't in her back. It was in her mind. It was in her mind. Think about our thinking. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, that our calling is a high calling. It's an upward calling. Because our God is a progressive God. He's always moving forward. He's always, you know, accomplishing great things. He's always raising us up. The Bible says he takes us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. He's always doing something and always wants to do something new. What is your theme for the next year? Abundant living in 2013. That God has something more for your life. That there's still an abundance that God wants to do in the church. That there's still an abundance that God wants to do in Vio, heart of the bay. That there's still more that God has for your life. See, God had something for this woman's life. She probably heard the word of God. She probably heard the reading of the word. But it never brought her to a place where she can embrace it and she can believe it. Because she always came in looking down. She always came in looking down because Satan had built a stronghold in her mind. I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. It took place in her mind. See, we got this high calling. And you know my prayer? Many times I say, God... I know there's a high calling. I'm not very educated. I'm not very good at speaking. I, you know, I, I deal with different things in my life. But yet, God, I believe your word. I believe what the word of God says, that there is a high calling upon my life and that nothing is impossible for you, God. But, God, I need my thinking to catch up with my calling. I need my thinking, Lord. Any strongholds in my mind, break them in the name of Jesus. Because there's something you want me to do in this life. There's something you want me to accomplish. There's something you want me to build. You want me to look up and, and see you in all your majesty, to see you in all your glory, to see you in all your splendor, to see how great and mighty you are. The Bible says that his eyes look to and fro. He's looking for a heart that's fully committed to him. Why? Because the Bible says he wants to show himself strong through that individual. He wants to show himself mighty through that church. He wants to show himself mighty through that family, through that couple, through that man of God, through that woman of God, through that young person. God wants to show himself strong and mighty. But our minds many times is of everything that keeps us from moving forward. I don't know if you're familiar with the war in Kuwait. And some of the tactics that were used over there by the special forces over there in Kuwait. But they went in. When they went in, they hit their communication system, all their towers. They took out all their communication. 
And then after they took out all their communication, all the troops, all the troops that were out there, all the troops, there was no communication. And then what they did is they flew over and they, and they distributed, or should I say, they threw out of the plane all these different pamphlets and flyers. And many of those pa pamphlets and flyers were letting the enemy know, look, at, we know where you're at. We know you can't co communicate with your general, with your commander. We know that you're there. We know where you're at. And you know what happened? It got into their minds. They started thinking, man, they know where we're at. They know exactly how we feel. They know exactly what we can't do. They know exactly that we can't communicate. And you know what? It got into their minds. And that war, they, I mean, the, the American army swept through that war so fast. They had something that they used to say was, I don't know if you want to say it was a slogan or a quote. But this is what the special forces used to say. Capture the mind and the heart will soon follow. Capture the mind and the heart will soon follow. The enemy captured her mind and she lost heart. The enemy captured her mind and she no longer tried to look up. She no longer tried to do something with her life. You know, one of the things that I see in life, one of the things that I see in the church, there's something that we need to, we need to internalize. There's something that we need to understand. I know that we all want to succeed in our Christian walk. If I can use that word success or or I'll use fruitfulness. We want to be fruitful. Amen? Come on, are you still with me this, this evening? We all want to be fruitful. We want to succeed. We want to be able to know that, hey, you know, I did something with my life. My faithfulness, you know, my, my effort, my passion, my worship, you know, I see that it, that it did something, that it accomplished something. And we, I know that we all want to see a measure of success in our personal life. But the reason why sometimes we won't see that, men and women don't see that, is because there's a lack of commitment. It's simple. A lack of commitment. A lack of commitment. We, we don't get our lives and just throw it into the dream of God. We don't get our lives and just totally commit it to the vision of our ministry. We do it in little fragments and little pieces, and we only have a little measure of success. But what we want to do is we want to see God glorified. We want to see God build. We want to see that hey, if God has a thousand blessings for my life, I don't want ten. I don't want twenty. I want all those blessings for my life. If God has a thousand blessings for my marriage and for my children, guess what? I want all those blessings for my marriage. I want all those blessings for my children. So you know what I got to do? I got to throw myself into the things of God. Everything, my mind, heart, soul, and strength, I got to give everything. Because if I don't, I can end up like this lady. I can end up like this woman coming in, should have, could have, would have. With a spirit being built, a spirit building a stronghold in my mind. The Bible says she had been coming. She couldn't straighten up. Things just weren't working out. But in verse 12, I, I love this part of this story. In verse 12, it says, when Jesus saw her. When Jesus saw her. We're only here because one day Jesus saw you. Jesus saw where we were at. Jesus saw what we we're trying to do. Jesus saw the things that were going on in our lives. 
the Bible says he saw her. And then when he saw her, the Bible says he called her forward. He didn't call her backward. He called her, you need to come forward. I'm talking to you. He pointed and he goes, I see you. I see what's going on in your life. I see what Satan has done in your mind. I see how weak-minded you have become. I see the first year. I can look back because how many know that Jesus is not limited by time? I seen the first year where you try to get things right. I see that you had a passion, and I see that you put up a good fight. But I seen the second year, and the third year, and the fifth year, and the tenth year, and then the fifteenth year. By the time the eighteenth year, I see that you lost heart. I see where you're at, but you still got to come forward. That's the only way you're going to get victory is when you move forward. When you take a step forward, when you say, you know what, I'm not going to stay like this. I'm not going to be like this. We're going to move forward as a church. We're going to move forward as a ministry. We're going to move forward as a family. He called her forward. And then he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He says, you're set free from your infirmity. There's an, I want to give you an example. I don't know if you've ever seen those circus elephants. Like when you, you know, I, I don't know, if you, has anybody ever been to a circus, you know? Or, you know, even on TV or growing up as a child. You see these big old massive circus elephants. Big old giant, powerful, you know, I don't know how many tons they weigh, but thousands of pounds of just massive raw power. And then they're tied to this little wooden stake. You ever see that? Tied to this little wooden stake that keeps them right there. See, that grown elephant could easily rip that wooden stake out of the ground. The reason is why it stays there or why it keeps it there is that the elephant handlers, when they're training them, when they're babies, baby elephants, they use a strong iron bar and drive it deep into the ground. When the baby elephant tugs and tries to get away, it can't. And it begins to experience the pain of the shackle on his leg. Finally, after a number of times of trying to pull and get away, it finally gives up and stops pulling. Gradually, as the elephant grows up, they replace the iron anchor bar with a wooden stake. That is why the grown elephant doesn't pull away, because he doesn't think he can, so he can't. It's not the stake in the ground keeping him in that place. It's the thought in his mind that keeps him there. It's the thought in his mind that keeps him from going forward when Jesus calls. It's the thought. It's the stronghold that keeps that elephant. I mean, he can just rip it out. I liken it to a toothpick. It's like a toothpick. But then I liken it to this. Sometimes a toothpick keeps us from moving forward for God. Sometimes it's just one thing. One thing, and it could be so simple, but it seems so big. One thing, and that elephant stays exactly right where he's at. And it's not that stake, but it's the thought in his mind. The Bible says, so a man thinketh. Finish it for me. So a man thinketh. It's not the circumstances. It's not what happened to you or me growing up. 
It's not what I'm going through. It's not what I don't have. It's not a lack of resources or finances. It's not this. It's not that. It's not my complexes. It's not my inadequacies. It's none of those things. It's the thought in my mind that will keep me from moving forward for God. It's a thought in my mind that will keep me moving when Jesus says, come forward. When he sees you, when he sees the potential, I know your pastor sees the potential in your life. I know your pastor's wife sees potential in this place. I know that they can see you and they challenge you. They challenge you over and over and over. They ch- My son says, man, Pastor Esteban challenges me all the time. He challenges me all the time. I go, you keep moving forward. You keep going forward. You keep saying yes. Never say no to your pastor. circumstances that stop us. It's the thoughts. It's the thoughts in our minds. I want to read a verse to you. I want to read a verse to you. And it's found in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Let me go there. I should have it here. 2 Corinthians. Go with me to Second Corinthians, chapter number six. Second Corinthians, chapter number six. Say Amen when you're there. Look at verse number eleven. For me, and I wasn't going to find it. Number 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children open wide your hearts also. The Message Bible says, That you're living life in a small way. We live life sometimes way below the calling and the promises of God for our life. This woman had promises for her life. The Bible says that Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. A daughter of Abraham, she had something coming. She was the bloodline of Abraham. She had something coming. She had blessings. There was so much that God had for her life. But the enemy had come in and began to play with her thoughts and began to play with her thinking and getting her to believe that, you know what, you, you, you're not going to be able to look up and you're not going to be able to see things like everybody else. You're going to look down and you're going to see things downward all the time. Until Jesus saw her. Until Jesus came 
and made a difference in our lives. And I believe that's what God wants to do this evening. The Bible says he put his hands on her. And immediately she strained up and praised God. So he saw her. And then he called her forward. So she came forward. And if you can use your imagination, she came like this. And what I see is I see Jesus coming up to her, getting on a knee, looking at her and making eye contact and say, come on, straighten up. And uh, she looks, she's looking down. She's probably seen him at the corner of her eye. He picks her up, and the very first person she sees when she strains up is Jesus. She sees the Lord. She strains up. When she looks up and she sees Jesus, the Bible says that she begins to praise God. For the first time in 18 years, she's able to see Jesus for who he is, for what he can do, for how powerful, how wonderful he is. She sees him. So what does he do? He strains her up. And then what he does is he says, you are free from your infirmity. He breaks that stronghold in her mind. He breaks it. He says, no more. That stronghold is broken in your mind. Now you can stand up. Now you can look up. And now you can see Jesus for who he is. You can see how wonderful God is. I am not defined by any wooden stake. You are not defined by a wooden stake. You are not be defined by any thought the enemy has put into your mind. See, forward is what's in front of you. Forward is what's ahead. And he's calling you and me forward. Come on, give the Lord a good praise offering. When she straightened up and praised God, at that moment, she exchanged her thoughts for God's thoughts. That's why we encourage you. I know that your pastor encourages you to read your Bible. To get into God's word. You know that there's over 7,000 promises in the word of God. Now, let me ask, how many are you claiming? One, two, maybe three, five. And there's 7,000, over 7,000 promises for you and your family. And he gave those promises because he wants to fulfill those promises. He gave those promises because he wants to share his life with you. And he wants to share his life with me. He gave those promises so that we can straighten up and we can look up and we can see how wonderful and how great and mighty God is. That we don't have to be subject to any thoughts that hold us back. That we don't have to come in. I know that we don't come in like this to church. But in the spirit, if God were to open our spiritual eyes or open this. Are the spiritual eyes of your pastor, your pastor's wife, I wonder how many are coming in spiritually like that. 
trying to get you involved. I heard pastors say, man, if you've got a nice smile, we want to use you. doesn't allow us to move forward. Jesus set her free in her mind. He broke that wooden stake, if I could put it that way. He was going to give her a new season. He was going to give her a time of liberation, a time of victory. He was letting her know that she was the head and not the tail. That she was over and not under. It was your time, woman. Today is your day. This service is your service. You are not going to think the same after this evening. This evening, God's going to break that stronghold that keeps you from moving forward. God's going to break it, and you need to come to this altar, and you need to get your thoughts, and I need to get my thoughts and say, God, I exchange them for your thoughts. I exchange them for the way you look at me and the things you say about me. If you say that I'm more than a conqueror, then that's who I am. If you say I'm a man of God, then I am a man of God. If you've called me, then I will go. If you want to use me, then here I am, Lord, use me. If you say we're anointed, then we're anointed. If you set me free, then I am free. I'm going to exchange my thoughts. Because my thoughts sometimes, sometimes my thoughts, my thoughts will keep me planted and rooted in the same place and won't let me go anywhere. When I grew up, I grew up, me and my wife, we, we came from a neighborhood we used to call Felony Flats. Felony Flats. I never went nowhere. I was stuck in Salinas. I was stuck in, on the east side. I didn't go nowhere. Then I moved to the north side. Wow. I got a breakthrough. I say, wow, I never left the east side. Now I'm in the north side. God, the world is good. Even when I got saved, even when I was there in the home, and, and I thank God for the home. Because the moment I came in, they started saying, you know what, brother, God has a plan for your life. But I had heard that so much in my life. But then one day I stopped and it, it got in me. It got in my heart that God had a plan. And that little Mexican from the east side that never went anywhere, God has taken all over the world. He has taken me to different countries. He has taken me to different cities. I have traveled. I, 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 must be, I must have been in like four or five different countries. All over the United States. God came and gave me a city. With all my inadequacies. With all those thoughts, God let me know I can use your life. I can use you. I can use you. 
I can use not only you, I can use your wife. I can use your daughter. I can use your two boys. I can use their lives. I can use your son-in-law. I can use you if you're willing. I can use you. All you got to do is get your thoughts and exchange them for mine. myself. I know things that I can and can't do. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not. I know those things. But greater than those things is the word of God. Greater than those things are what God can do in a man's life. I have seen God change men's lives all over the world. I have seen God Restore, I have seen God build something out of nothing. I didn't have no money, and I went back and forth probably 20, 30 times from Australia, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Where'd you get all that money from? I ain't got no money. And not only me, my wife and my children, youth convention, United Women in Ministry, Mighty Men, World Conference, back. My thoughts would have kept me in the east side. My thoughts would have kept me in felony flats. But God's thoughts took me all around the world. God's thoughts are taking me to the Twin Cities. God's thoughts are taking me and my family. Now tonight, where does God's thoughts want to take you? Where does God's thoughts want to take the old heart of the bay? Where does God's thoughts want to take you and your family? And all you got to do is do what this woman did, exchange them. The moment you exchange them, it's broken. The moment you exchange them, you can straighten up. You can look up. You can see Jesus. You already see your children in the house of God. You already see your marriage fruitful and moving forward. Some of you are even seeing yourself behind the pulpit preaching the gospel. You can see yourself in another country. You can see yourself in Africa, in New Zealand, in Europe somewhere, doing a work for God. Those are God's thoughts. Let's exchange them. Exchange them. Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. I want you to stand with me. Many men and women here in the sanctuary have attended conferences, conventions, different, different church services, regional services, 
And in those conferences and conventions, in those services, if it be here in the church or regional services, God has imparted great desires, great callings to do great exploits. God has deposited so much greatness in men and women's lives here. And when we receive it, many times the evidence is through tears and brokenness. Many times it gets you so excited. You feel so grateful. You leave that conference, that convention, that service. You leave and you know that you know that you know that God has interjected one of his thoughts into your mind and into your heart. And then we come back without realizing we come back and go back and do the same thing without ever stopping for a moment and say God gave me that thought and I feel it in my heart God what changes do I need to make what adjustments do I need to make in my life so that I can line myself up with what you put in my mind and heart we come back we do the same thing and then the next conference comes around, and then it gets stirred up again. And whatever we're doing right before the conference, we come back and we go back and do the same thing again. We go back and do the same thing. And God is saying, come, I'm calling you change. There's some things you're going to have to change. There's some adjustments. You want an abundant life for this next year? Guess what? What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus says, the branches that don't bear fruit, what does he do? Say it again. He cuts them off. But he says, the branches that bear fruit, he prunes. In other words, those things that he don't want in your life, he cuts those things out. But when you're doing good, when, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, he still comes and prunes you. God, I'm doing, I'm trying my best. I'm coming early. I'm praying, I'm reading. Why am I, why am I still getting pruned? So that you can bear more fruit. Because there's more inside of you. There's more that you could do. There's more that you can offer. So even when you're doing your best, guess what? You still get pruned. You still get pruned. You still get pruned. Bible says that he saw her. He sees you. He sees me. He sees you. He knows what's going on at home. 
He knows what's going on in your home with your children, through their marriage. He knows. He sees the thinking. You know that God can see your thoughts? He doesn't just hear your thoughts. He can see your thoughts. He sees your thoughts. It says he saw her. Oh, look at what the enemy's been doing to her for 18 years. She's lost arms. She lost some of that passion. She lost some of that drive. There was a time where she would do anything for a man. And all she wants to do is just come to church. And that's pretty much it. But God, that's not good enough for him. I'm calling you forward. I'm calling you right now. calling you right now forward because he wants to speak over your life church you are set free from your infirmity you are set free from those thoughts you are set free and I'm going to align your thinking with my calling and your thinking is going to catch up with your calling and you need to come forward and exchange your thoughts because I'm about to give you my thoughts. And from this evening forward, your life, your life is going to go in a whole new direction. You're going to live your life in a whole new way. And you're going to do what God has called you to do. And you're going to be what God has called you to be. And you're going to have what God has called you to have. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Come on, lift your hands. He sees you. He sees you.